It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in here to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday. It's 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, so we are live and have two great guests lined up for you today. Um, In case you are tuning in for the first time, welcome. Thank you for being a part of the community, and thank you for everyone who's coming back uh, and listening to so many of our shows, whether it's on the podcast, whether it's live, through iHeartRadio, wherever you are, we appreciate you. And really the reason the, the show got started is I've you know, had the privilege of meeting so many inspiring and very cool leaders and thought leaders, people who are thinking about talent, who are you know, uniquely talented themselves, and I love to have a conversation with them to figure out what makes them tick, what are they thinking about, what is it that they're worried about that maybe I haven't even thought about yet, and of course, what are the awesome things that they're already doing that maybe I can replicate, we all can replicate and think about, and so today we're going to get another great dose of that as well. Um, you know, I, I've had so many of these great stories and great people on the show that um, that turned into a book called The Power of Company Culture, which is a bestseller this year. Love to have you check that out. Go to Amazon or wherever you buy books. I'm sure you can find it there, The Power of Company Culture. And there's a lot of great stories. There's a uh, forward there by um, uh, Mark Goldson, uh, who's another bestselling author. And then we have so many thought leaders in there, along with uh, HR practitioners, CEO uh, leaders. Um, anyways, it's a kind of the best of best of all of our stories. And that really comes from our audience is kind of giving us great feedback. Um, as I said, over 10,000 of you a day are coming in and downloading a podcast or listening or streaming, uh, wherever we may, may be finding us. And we really appreciate you. If you have a question, uh, this is still an area that we're trying to get you guys uh, on board and really working towards. And that is, you know, ping us on Twitter. Tell us what you think. Ask a question of myself or the guests. Um, you know, we do. Uh, my producer, Mike, does live stream uh, the show. So any of the best little snippets, the best things that somebody maybe have said, he kind of live tweets as we go along. And you're welcome to find uh, the Twitter handles of our guests and maybe keep the conversation going. We'd love to do that. Even if it's after the fact, if you're listening, after the live show is already completed, you can still find it there. Go to at peopleg2.com. Use that hashtag talent talk. You can even, I think, look uh, by hashtag and find all those tweets and keep the conversation going. All right. As I said, we have two great guests today. My first guest uh, will be Kathy Brown, coming in via Skype. She's the Operations Director for the Employee Ownership Association. And then we'll take a little commercial break, get a little business done, and we'll bring in Ben uh, Ben Witter. If it's Ben Witter or Ben Wider, I guess I'll find out which way I've screwed it up. Uh, the founder and CEO of uh, World Employee Experience Institute, or WE. So uh, let's go ahead and bring in my first guest. I'm excited to, to welcome Kathy Brown. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. 
I want you to tell everyone a little bit about yourself, your background, you know, what's important for us to know as it relates to our conversation today. Uh, and of course, what you're doing over there with Employee Ownership Association. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my background, certainly in recent years, has been in the engagement side of things, employee engagement. And that's because for the last seven years, I've been the exec director for Engage for Success, which is the UK's movement for employee engagement, uh, set up on the back of a report to government in the UK. Um, that sought to establish whether an engagement engagement was a real thing. Um, if it was a real thing, then was it beneficial to individuals and to organisations and to businesses? And if so, you know, what should the UK be doing about it? And so the founders of our movement are the people who wrote that report, David McLeod and Nita Clark. And they set up uh, literally a social movement um, comprised of all of the people and organisations that were so hugely passionate about engaging employees at work and so the large portion of my work for the last few years has been doing that bringing together people and organizations across the country and beyond in the service of improving the practice of employee engagement and spreading the the great practice that's already out there from a lot of organizations and then very recently this summer i have moved to the employee ownership association and that's a, an organization that was in fact associated with engage for success as a supporter organization and that is around the um, intrinsically engaging model of business ownership where um, some or indeed all of the shares of an organisation are held either in trust or directly by the employees. So um, in the UK here, uh, an example would be the John Lewis Partnership, um, John Lewis and Partners and Waitrose and Partners, uh, and many other sort of big and small organisations. And obviously in the US and elsewhere, um, similar models of, of ownership exist. So that's that's mostly what I've been doing in the last sort of 10 years. Other than that, I've got a tech background and a customer service background and a governance background. There's not much, no, no, no many, uh, not many places I haven't been really. <laughs> well, I love the way you kind of uh, broke down that initial part, which was, you know, what is this engagement thing? And if it's really a thing, is it even something we should be worried about? And I sort of imagined um, I, my brief visit to the House of Commons one day, just listening <laughs> to these these older gentlemen getting up, and I could just imagine that. What is this engagement thing, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and I guess if it's something, I guess we could put some money into it, right? I mean, study it. So exactly, um, yeah, I love it. I love it. I know you also have your own consulting company, Capability Brown. Uh, it's a yep. fairly new venture for you. Maybe you could talk about. You know, it's kind of brought you to a place of wanting to focus uh, your energies and, mm. you know, helping businesses turn around their organizations and focusing on leadership and change and innovation, and everything else that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a part of that change was driven by um, Engage for Success itself, which has uh, come under the auspices of a larger organization. Um, and so the role that I was playing is no longer required. So I'm still associated with the movement, but not in the uh, exec director role that I had. And so that allowed me the space to go and explore other opportunities, one of which was the EOA. Um, and one of which was absolutely using my talent and my skills and my experience to take that into other organisations in a way that I wasn't able to um, while working for Engage for Success. So um, it's it's opened up uh, some areas that I couldn't explore while I was doing that particular role. Um, and I particularly enjoy being able to go into an organisation knowing that I can make a difference. Um, and that's, that's really a, a strong driver for me. So I quite enjoy the, the freelance side of what I do. So let's maybe kind of dive into some of your expertise mm. here. And uh, I think you and I share uh, some 
some time and and uh, passion around this idea of transforming a company culture. And I, yeah, I, I know I, I've done it quite a bit with some companies. And then something one of the things that I love doing the most, and I'm really fascinated to what you think it takes to really transform a company culture. How do you go from whether it's point A to point B, or it's from bad to good, or wherever you want to qualify that? How, yeah. how do you how do they transform? What, what do you think it actually takes? The first thing it takes is time, far more time than you think it's going to take. So there's no there's no quick fixes here at all. Uh, I also think that you need a view of where you're trying to get to. Um, I mean, there's a very, very famous quote from Alice in Wonderland uh, with the gist of, um, you know, if, if where you're going doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter which way you go to get there. Uh, so you need a sense of where you're going. Um, and of course, that journey may change along the way. You may use different information to change the direction you're taking. But if you don't have a reasonably firm view of the, the culture that you're aspiring to, then, you know, how on earth do you start to manage to to change behaviors and and transform anything you you so you need that vision you need that view um so you need time you need that vision and you need to take people with you on the journey if you're that leader quite often you will have gone through the process of of understanding where the business needs to go and you know aligning yourself with that and all the rest of it and you you must 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 remember that people have not yet gone on that journey with you um so you're there in your head that's great but you they've got to go through the same process that you've gone through they've got to understand why we're doing it um you know we we as human beings we're not particularly good at following orders unless we understand why so time why and vision i think to encapsulate that yeah you know and i often talk about like what's the biggest goal what's our bhag what's this big giant thing yeah. we're trying to do and it's funny how like often senior leaders know what that is and they understand what it is because they've been talking about it and they don't ever bother to like open the door and say hey guys yeah. by the way this is this big thing we're trying to do yeah. and but we want you to do all these like 500 other little things that really feed into that big thing but we're not gonna tell you what that big thing is yeah um and then you wonder why people are like uh why are we doing yeah. this and yeah, yeah, yeah. why should we why should we care why you should know, we care I'm... right and and even if there's not much in it for them at least if they know what why they're trying to do it mm. that just in itself i think is an epiphany and something that helps it's, it's certainly great if there's something in it for them as well but yeah absolutely. Um, at least knowing where we're headed i guess even if you are the prisoner on the ship at least you know where the ship is going that's far more yeah. uh better for you than not knowing at all yeah, so absolutely <laughs> um you know, I think one of the difficulties uh, for companies really is to face, you know, change to manage it effectively. Yeah. Um, and so maybe you could talk about how do they kind of manage this 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 change component effectively? Yeah. Um, uh, many many companies don't manage change effectively, and it's a real shame because you know. <laughs> At a theoretical level, we understand how to manage change. And I think where it goes astray is is obviously where people get involved and emotions get involved and suddenly it's not linear and it's messy. And many leaders, many managers find that hard to deal with. It's a sort of, well, it should just work like this. And, and I'm afraid when you add irrational human beings into it, it doesn't just work like that. You know, we, we do need to, again, understand what's going on. So for me, there are four elements of engagement. And whether you're 
looking at transforming a whole culture or whether you're putting in a new IT system or whether it's just simply something that you embed in every project that you do within an organisation. If these four things are present, then you're probably managing your change quite effectively. And the first one is that that story. Um, so whether it's the story of the organisation, whether it's the why of the project or the change, um, people need to understand that. It's where we derive purpose and meaning. Um, and so if we don't get that, if we're not emotionally connected to that story, then we're not with you on that change journey at all. Um, the next thing that we need is to be to be well managed in that context and again that might be a whole leadership piece where we want to be recognized as individuals and we want to be able to bring our whole self authentically to work um, and we want to be coached well and we want to see dysfunctional behavior dealt with effectively uh, and again that operates at all the levels it operates in your line management chain it operates for anybody who's dealing with projects it operates for for any sort of scenario in which people are working with other people then we like a say. Um, so we like to, to have our voice sought and heard and acknowledged and recognised. And, you know, we're grown-ups. We get that that doesn't mean that, um, that everything we ask for or want is going to be done, but we do want to see our ideas appreciated and heard and listened to. And we need a psychologically safe space in which to be able to give those ideas. Um, and so if there's an atmosphere of... of you know, fear where people are speaking up but then getting slapped down. That's not helpful for any change process at all. Um, and then the final one is actually we need to trust the people that are leading that change. Um, and if we don't, if the behaviours that we see are not congruent with the values that are, are of the organisation or of the um, vision that's been or whatever else you know we, we don't trust and we don't get engaged and we shrug our shoulders and we don't do as good a job as we could do and and then change doesn't happen well and you know we have to appreciate that people deal with change in different ways um we won't all just you know take a pdf from the ceo or a nice video and and suddenly be on board with it we need different times to absorb things and people are are, are different you know, so consult us, let us know what's going on, give us as much influence as you can, but don't lie to us, don't treat us like children. Right. Well, you certainly approach work with a lot of curiosity and respect and a sense of humor, and mm. these are all great attributes for, uh, I think if more people had them, the world would be a little better place, but I think they would also <laughs> maybe not think about work as a negative thing, right? Mm. We wouldn't see work as this thing you have to do or this necessary evil or this hard thing. Um, so what does it take to, for people to really maintain or to gain qualities like this and apply them into their everyday work life? Yeah. I think you need a big dose of self-awareness. So you need to know what works for you in terms of engagement. So, for instance, I know that I'm, I would say I'm curious. I'm an explorer. I like challenge. I like new things. Um, and if I'm in a role that doesn't give me that, crikey do my engagement levels <laughs> plummet you know right. they really do um and so but i know that in myself and so i can craft my jobs my roles to make sure that it's giving me enough of what i need uh, because engagement's a two-way street it's not something that our employers and our leaders do to us it's it's a culture that we are involved in and so it you know, we have an equal responsibility as people within an organisation to work out what makes us tick and to be vocal and proactive about getting that for ourselves. Absolutely. And I, and I think this kind of ties into, I noticed in doing some research on you of this 
concept of a human-centered leadership, and it sort yeah. of sounds like this is a part of that. Maybe you could really kind of dive into what that really means. I mean, I could make some general assumptions, but what does that really mean to you? Maybe kind of really give us that full explanation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of the research that we've done for Engage for Success has demonstrated that as well as those four elements that I talked about earlier, there are two other things that really distinguish companies that are getting this stuff right, that are truly transformational in their approach. Um, and one is their level of aspiration. So what do they aspire to? Is there a goal that's kind of bigger than the organisation that people can connect to in um, in a, almost a moral or a social way? And the other side is their humanity. Do they treat people? as human beings, as, as, as I said, as grown-ups, so there isn't a paternalistic conversation within the organisation. Um, and that's actually really hard work as a leader to open yourself to criticism, to accept that making mistakes is actually human and the way we learn and that, that admitting to making mistakes is an incredibly powerful and engaging tool. Um, and to actually, again, to, to be yourself at work. Uh, one of the things that people often say to me when they meet me face to face is, oh, your hair's not the same colour as it is on your LinkedIn profile or your Twitter <laughs> picture or whatever you see. And, you know, that's because I dye my hair orange, I dye my hair green, I dye my hair purple. And, you know, that doesn't impact my, my ability to be an ops director or an exec director or on a, a trustee of the number of boards that I'm on. Uh, and in fact, if I'm frowned on for dyeing my hair, do you know what? That makes me worse. <laughs> that makes right. me miserable. Uh, you know, but I bring, I bring coloured hair. I bring my Star Trek obsession. I bring all of that to work with me um, because that's who I am. And I'm far stronger bringing all of that than I am trying to cut bits off of me and and operate to some sort of norm that is imposed on me from outside. And that's what human-centred leadership is around, being yourself, having the courage to be yourself and having the courage and the trust to allow your people to be themselves as well. I'm glad you really brought that up. And it's a great way to, to articulate it. I think in my book, I've talked about it as you're celebrating your uniqueness, right? The pillar of, yeah. do, do we celebrate what makes us unique? Do is the company celebrate what makes them unique? Do we really bring it out there? The fact that you mentioned your obsession with Star Trek, I immediately want to go off into a diatribe and talk about Star Trek now, <laughs> um, but I'll hold off on everyone. I won't make everyone else deal with that. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's the, the kind of thing, right? That we show up. Uh, we had someone on the show, it was last week, week before, and he was expert in diversity and inclusion. And he really, he articulated it in a way that I really made a lot of sense for me, which was, you know, if you show up and everyone looks the same, you think about how to try to be the same. You try to how to, mm. how to fit in. But if everyone it can act different and look different and be different and not feel like they have to be this cookie cutter thing, you start to think about how you can stand out, how you can bring your unique talents and things to the organization or to the group or whatever it may be. And mm. But that was really a great way to articulate why it's important for us not to all, uh, I, I guess, you know, skin color aside, but even if we all show up with the yeah. same uniform, if we show up and look, yeah. have the same haircut and all look exactly the same, you're sort of forcing people to try to fit into a thing. Yeah. And that's not, I think, what we want. So, no, absolutely. Well, I want to find out if there's an app or a gadget or something that you've added to your life this year that we should you know, just yeah. selfishly steal right now uh, and get better right now. What is it that you're doing? Well, I, I'm a gadget girl, so I love gadgetry. Um, but uh, uh, apps, I just, well, I try all sorts of things. The ones that stick are probably the more useful. So the two that really stick for me that I use again and again, and they operate the entire sort of system by how I manage my working life are Todoist and Evernote. 
um two classics i find them absolutely superb todoist is is so configurable um and you know i have a fairly creative brain and i don't work linearly um i don't really like project plans at all todoist allows me to configure my to-do list, my tasks, my work, whatever else I want to call it, in an infinite variety of ways that then suit me in terms of, of how to, to operate. And Evernote is just so incredibly useful in terms of getting things out of my brain um, and into somewhere where I can reference them. Yeah, and those are, those are two great ones, um, being able to have those notes, being able to have those um, things in one place or move them around and share. I mean, that's the other part, too. Yeah. I love when someone else is in a meeting I can't be in and they take great notes and I can just go back and read the yeah. notes. I don't, you know, it's yeah. fantastic. And then be able to search later on or if I type in a, some keyword, then notes from some meeting three years ago magically show up and I go, oh, yeah, we talked about that before, didn't we? Um, that kind of stuff. So that's yeah, it's amazing. What about books? Is there a book that you're reading right now or that one that you suggest people usually check out? Yeah, I, I've I've always got at least three or four books on the go, both electronically and physically. So there's usually a big pile by the bedside. Um, the one that I was reading on my train on the way back from London today is um, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century um, by Yuval Noah Harari, um, who's obviously written a number of other books recently as well that people have enjoyed. So I do tend to read in that sort of um, philosophy vein quite a lot, as well as management and leadership books and all sorts. I read incredibly widely. But that I'm really enjoying that. There's some really uh, quite hopeful stuff um, in there. Uh, and I'm finding the world a bit of a bleak place at the moment. And so reading something that's giving me uh, some ideas and hope for how things might progress in a positive way is very welcome. Yeah, I uh, can hear you there. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> sometimes it's avoiding the news lately. It's like, I yeah, just, yeah. Ugh, you know, well, um, you've mentioned a lot of great things on the show today. I'm wondering if someone only heard one thing, if for some reason they'd only paid attention for like 30 seconds, what's yeah, the yeah. one thing you hope that they might have heard, remembered or take away that they can use in their life or in their companies uh, today? Uh, basically, we're not human resources. We're human beings. That's very profound and very and very short. I would move on to my next question very quickly. With that. <laughs> um, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more uh, about Employee Ownership Association and, of course, your consulting company, yeah. Kathy Brown? Twitter is probably the best way. So I'm on Twitter at Kathy A.B., C-A-T-H-Y-A-B, and that will find me in Capability Brown. Um, the Employee Ownership Association is on as employee-owned. Um, and, of course, the other one that people might be interested in is Engage for Success, which is Engage, the number four, success. So I would say come and find us all on Twitter, join the conversation, probably the easiest way to do it. Kathy, thank you so much for being a part of the show, bringing so many great insights. And uh, I know you're calling in from from outside of the United States. So uh, doing that as well and uh, coming at an odd time for you, I really appreciate uh, you being a part of the show. My pleasure. Been lovely to talk to you. All right. Thank you, everyone. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break and bring in our second guest, uh, Ben Weider. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. 
Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news, or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. In case you missed my first guest, Kathy Brown, you can listen to the interview here in the next week or two as we post that into iTunes or iHeartRadio. Um, so many of you are coming in, over 10,000 of you a day and downloading, listening to a show. Really appreciate everyone. Um, you can also go to talenttalkradio.com and find us there. Um, and there's so many great places to pull down the shows and hope, certainly hope that you can share your favorites. Uh, love to keep that conversation going on Twitter. So make sure that you go and uh, look up at PeopleG2. There's a live feed going there. You can also look up the hashtag Talent Talk and keep the conversation going, ask questions, give comments, make guest suggestions, whatever it may be. Uh, we'd love to have you do that. But I'm going to go ahead and bring in my next guest. Ben Witter, uh, the founder and CEO of the World Employee Experience Institute. So, Ben, welcome to the show. Hi there, Chris. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. So why don't you tell everyone about yourself, what's important for us to know for today's conversation, and, of course, what are you doing over there at the World Employee Experience Institute? And I think the acronym is it WE. Is that how you say it? Yeah, WE, uh, W-E-E-I, uh, whichever you prefer. <laughs> W-E-E-I might be a bit more intuitive since there is four letters and otherwise us dumb Americans will just think it's W-E. So please proceed. Yeah, so uh, we're really focused on the experience of work. So helping organizations uh, define, design, and deliver exceptional experiences in work that really align to business results. So it's about very much putting with a human at the center of organizations, uh, finally, <laughs> in a lot of cases, uh, and helping colleagues with their employee experience journeys. So we have a partnership. We're based in over 14 countries now. Uh, from South America to the U.S. Uh, to Asia, China, and um, everywhere else, really. So, yeah, uh, we're developing a, a real community around employee experience. And uh, our, our kind of emerging mantra is, uh, if, you, if you're if you for employee experience, you belong with us. So creating a real home for the, this new movement um, worldwide. Well, I'm really glad that we could have you on the show. That's something we talk about every week. And it's something that we're all really passionate about. So maybe you could, let's just start with this word experience. Let's define that. What is the experience of work and why do you think it's so important? For me, everyone has an experience, whether it's designed or not. It could be by accident or by absolute chaos uh, in some organizations. And we really need to get a grip of the whole experience from pre-hire to retire. So what is it, what's it like to work in an organization uh, on a daily basis? It's these moments that become really quite tangible and meaningful for people in work. So the moment you walk into work, the way you're greeted by your colleagues, the way you're supported, the way you're developed, uh, and everything in between right up until you leave and beyond the organization. So actually, we, we, we're creating more advocates these days 
people that really kind of believe in the journey that they've been on, and they will defend it uh, up until the last days in some cases. Um, I remember what it was like to work here, and that for business, it just indicates the power of the experience. So these moments, these interactions that we have, and if you design them really well, if you connect them to something more purposeful, more meaningful for your employees, and you really focus on the holistic experience of work, then the outcomes are much greater than if you don't. Um, much of what's been happening in the economy so far has been short-term, fragmented, and not really very well connected across the organization. Well, I think you bring up a great point that no matter what, they're going to have an experience. And so do you want them to have a particular experience? Do you want to manage that? Do you want to be intentional? Do you want to to leverage it, to do whatever you want to do with it, right, but be intentional about it? Um, or do you want them just to have, I guess, something that it, whatever happens, happens, right, which I think has been the experience for a lot of employees in the past where it's hodgepodgey and maybe one employee has a great experience and the next one has a bad one, Um but uh, we have so much more control about this. So maybe we could talk about a little more granularly out, outside of this general term of experience, but then specifically, what is the 3D employee experience? So for, for this, this for us is a lens to help organizations uh, develop their approach to the experience. So again, the experience, right, not just in certain pockets of the organization, but actually across uh, the whole business. So it's about how you define um, your employee experience approach. So this could be highly disruptive. So this could be um, sending uh, your performance review process spinning out of the organization, for example, or completely um, redesigning your onboarding process uh, to become more of an experience that's um, you know, really well designed, uh, as you would a, com- a customer experience journey or interaction. So it's taking that level of depth into each experience. So how do we define it? But also rediscovering your own organization. A lot of times, these experiences that we're having are just by accident. So we're not delivering the same quality experience that you would for your customers. So we're seeing organizations now treat their employee experience as though it's a client brief. They're putting that level of resource into it, that level of intention, and really develop it with quality in mind. And if you do that, you can go through into the design stage, so designing really good journeys uh, throughout the business and then delivering that, so deepening it at scale across markets, across countries, across across uh, cultures uh, as well. We have one organization that we looked at. They have 40 employee experience managers within the business to translate the um, global aspirations for employee experience into different contexts. Because, uh, you know, internationally, that's a major um, area of failure for a lot of businesses. When they enter new markets, they forget about how you bring those cultures together, um, assimilate those cultures you know, is that the right way to do that? Or do we just build communities? Right. And, and I'm wondering if you sort of agree with this. I really see this change in experience in technology, right? So now we expect things to work well. We expect things to, to, to sort of operate in a certain way. I mean, Apple's had a really big, I guess, uh, influence on that, along with a lot of other companies. But we, you know, we expect to be able to go on our phone and be very easily be able to do this thing. And so how, how do you think that's translated into work? So do, we, do you think employees are now ex- expecting a better experience? And, and then on top of that, it's, it's also then the em- employers are figuring out if they provide a better experience, they can get a better outcome from that as well. Oh, absolutely. And there's so much to unpack within that. So digitally, we're seeing a more seamless employee experience. So we don't have to wait all this time to get connected to our work, you know, whether it's a laptop. So the tools are in place. 
but also the experiences. So the, the moment we were hired for a company, we're starting digitally to receive you know, onboarding information in a very timely fashion. And that's moving us through in a connected way throughout the holistic journey that we have with the business. So this is really interesting. I spent three years in China, um, Shanghai, Ningbo, and I, I had a, an application called WeChat. And I, again, I've got to say, when I go back to the UK and other parts, uh, maybe in the Western economy, it's like going back in time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally scary, the difference between the digital lifestyle in China and the rest of the world. And, you know, the, I never took any credit cards or cash with me for three years. I just paid with, with uh, Alipay or WeChat Pay. And then the moment you step off the plane in, in the UK, it's back to cash and, and credit cards and debit cards and the rest of it. So the expectations, certainly for the, the newer generations coming into the workforce, are, are immense. So you, you, you're, you're living a digital lifestyle, but you go back into the workplace and you're working with Excel spreadsheets, forms that are paper-based. It's just not going to cut it <laughs> going forward. Uh, definitely not. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the really easy examples is, you know, we went back and really started using this new this tool called Vidyard, which is free. You can plug it into your Chrome. And you can just make these little videos, right, and show your screen, and you can see your picture. And so we had our best trainers do a video on everything that somebody who's getting onboarded would need to do. So they could do the onboarding themselves. They could watch the videos from the best possible teacher, right? And they could go as fast or as slow as they wanted and go up and down. And the 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 time from someone going from you know, hey, I'm day one employee, welcome to our company, to I'm fully engaged and totally happy and I'm able to do my job has been cut down by like 90%. Yeah. And this is one tool. This is one free stupid tool. And then we implement it and that was it. And there's so many things out there I think that companies aren't even thinking about or they're maybe mistaken that they have to spend a gazillion dollars or do some giant thing to make it happen. So do, do, do you agree? Do you see it being more about small intentional things to start or is, this a, is, is there a rapid transformation that has to happen? Oh, no. I mean, you don't have to do this at scale. You don't have to invest gazillions of dollars into, into a major overhaul of IT systems. This could be quick iterations. This could be internally designed apps. Um, this could be one beautiful, innovative piece of, of kit that you can bring in very quickly. Um, get it onto all your mobile technology and then away you go, you can start using it. I think there's something to be said for intent, being intentional even at this stage of the process in terms of the digital experience. So rather than using 200 different apps that do 200 different things, you know, can we arrive at some kind of exclusivity around, okay, we're gonna use this app for communication, we're gonna use this, uh, this is where we do certain things within the experience. And then you get those tangible gains in terms of employees are going to co-create with you to develop the best possible experience that they can with the technology that you bring in. I think there's too much, again, there's too much stuff out there, whereas, again, it becomes quite diluted. So I think having that digital mindset uh, from the get-go is mighty helpful in, in doing that. So we have a lot of business leaders that listen to this uh, show. Uh, it's kind of a good mix between HR and, and business uh, owners and CEOs. And so, Often for my CEO business owner group, I get a little bit more of the skeptical, yeah, yeah, that stuff's fine and that's good and I know we're supposed to be doing it, but you know, I, what I care about is the bottom line. And ultimately, if these things can lead to a better bottom line for them, they'll do it and they'll 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 you know be behind it and and support it. So, um, how do companies begin that real task of 
recognizing what's working and really measuring what is, you know, actually impacting their bottom line. Because I, I think we maybe want people to have a great experience. We want them to be happy. But there's that counter to that's fine if they're happy, but am I more profitable? Am I productive? Is my company more have a better, better advantage in the marketplace, right? So how do we measure that and how we kind of marry those two ideas? Yeah, I think for me this comes down to the, the CEO and the top team. And again, we have to, you know, the defined stage of this, we have to understand their wants, their needs, their desires around how they want to leverage the employee experience to deliver the goods in terms of the outcomes uh, within the business strategy. I think that the number one measure of employee experience is business results. So I think that's one thing we can get really clear with CEOs in that we are measuring business results. We're not interested in anything else, to be honest. Yes, human outcomes are going to be fantastic within the employee experience. Yes, it's going to be great to see engagement outcomes as a byproduct of a great experience or an outcome experience. But I think we need to be talking now about a multi-layered or kind of multi-outcomes outcomes across the business, customer experience, customer satisfaction. We need to be tapping into that rich data set that we have now within businesses as opposed to just centered on kind of creating engagement outcomes or other metrics that are important to HR but not really important to the business leaders. I think the other thing we need to be clear on is do we have a people-centric CEO? Do we have a people-centric um, C-suite? Because if you don't, well, you're out of luck. <laughs> um, and essentially, I would go and work somewhere else. Um, that's a shortcut to success. I think if you're in that for the long term, you believe in the purpose of the business and there is some opportunity to maybe transform that C-suite and that CEO, then I think you start with what's important to them. So there could be something within the employee experience. It could be talent development. It could be leadership development. It could be CSR, community social responsibility. I think if we tune into what's important to the CEO and start our employee experience work there, and then try and marry that with the employee experience and their expectations of colleagues within the business, then you can get some traction quite quickly and then broaden the mandate into other areas. A lot of people make the mistake of starting from what's important to HR, what's important to the culture team or the engagement team or the experience team, and then they have to track back um, to what's important to the business and the, and the leaders within the business. So if we look at the time that you've been in this world of employee experience and maybe translate that to the overall world of work, right? What have we done right? What have we gotten done well so far, um, you know, in this journey, you know, since you've started? I I think in the last few years, we're seeing a a boldness within the HR function and some of the other support functions that we haven't seen before, really. I think focusing more holistically, more long-term on the employee experience and putting the humans at the center of the business and designing things that are really quite impactful, it's making all the difference. So um, HR people and other business leaders are now taking more risks. They're being bolder in terms of challenging the status quo and challenging the things that are really not working within the business. Why are we doing this performance appraisal stuff? Why are we doing this disconnected leadership development that has no bearing on the outcome of the business or the values that we have within the business? So we're really starting to challenge more. I don't think I've seen that too too much within the HR. You always see it. If you get the best people within those HR positions, you're going to see that. But as a general profession, I think there is still a tendency to focus on administration and transactional outcomes as opposed to this high-value experiential um, experience. So, you know, if you've gone in and done a, an engagement and, you know, maybe been able to make some change, been able to help a company 
really translate or transform what they're doing. Is there anything that you do to try to help make sure that they continue that once you're gone, once your engagement's over? I've certainly seen a lot of examples of companies that slowly but surely end up back into the same old habits and doing (laughs) some of the same crap they were doing before, right? So are there things that you do to try to help them stay on, uh, you know, on top of it? Yeah, for us, it's all about co-creation. So we're not going to leave you high and dry. Uh, We're going to make sure the arrangement with our clients is long-term like employee experience. So we're not going to kind of come in and say, use this model, let's kind of do some workshops, let's do some new employee journeys and let's have a big party afterwards to celebrate how good we've been. <laughs> I don't think yeah. it's about that anymore. And people see through this gimmicky nonsense, right. um, which is based on the old consultancy toolkit. Whereas what we want to do is establish a partnership for life. So if you, if you do have uh, challenges going forward, which you will do, and you're going to need to iterate and evolve your experience as you go, then we want to be with you to help that. Or we want to kind of recommend or refer you to companies that can help you at different stages of your journey. Because Mm -hmm. it could be about marketing. That could be your gap. It could be about um, connecting it more closely to your customer experience. It could be about your brand uh, as a whole. There could be all manner of different um, systems and outcomes that we need to look at, uh, not just uh, within um, the control that we have. So, yeah, we stay with, with our clients for the long term. We keep checking up on them in terms of um, keeping that connected relationship and that more meaningful relationship as well. Because I think that's, that's the best way to do it. You mentioned before, kind of, you know, if you don't have a people-centric CEO, you might want to go look for another job, <laughs> uh, which, I think, which I think is great advice. But it, there certainly are those entrenched leaders at times. Sometimes they're in HR, sometimes they're a C-suite. And, and and so I'm kind of wondering, you know, how do you get them, even if they are sort of people-centric, they still kind of come with a certain amount of baggage of how they think things should work and maybe some of these old kind of ideas, right, around how to manage people. How do you kind of get them to, you know, hear that messaging and to get them to evolve as leaders? Because I kind of find that that's one of the hardest things to do and one of the most important things to do because you start doing things better with the employees, they're like happy. I mean, they're like, you know, awesome, cool. They're ready just to hop on that super highway of awesomeness in two seconds. But it's the leaders that seem to be a little harder to get them to change. So, what's kind of your thoughts there? I think for me, it comes down to the they are the residual of their experience. Let, let's be honest. So every decision, every experience they've had in life, they're bringing that to the table when they make decisions about how they run their business. So if they haven't seen or experienced directly the impact that leading in a people-centric or human-centric way delivers, then I can't blame them for being the way they have because they're, st- they're about product, they're about sales. They're about- These are things that have made it so far. So for us, it would be, can we design an experience for that CEO that would be transformative, that would really connect them at a deeper level with the people within the business? So that could be one strategy. So we're working really on the, the audience that you've, you've got to deal with. Uh, and I think a lot of CEOs arrive in this position um, through failure. So they, then they have to go through the, uh, the experience themselves as losing market share, losing profitability, having a major uh, scandal about the quality of their employee experience or customer experience, and they're in the headlines. Then they have to do something because they've lived the experience. And then you can go in and you can be transformational. So if you can't, you don't want to fail like that, but that's the best time to, <laughs> that's the right. best way to get in there and tr- really be transformative at the whole kind of uh, root to branch of the business. If you can't do that, 
then you have to create something similar for the employee uh, for the CEO to experience, and that could be you know involvement and participation within certain initiatives across the employee experience, or it could be creating something that really tunes into what kind of person they are, um, and you know connecting them at a deep level with the employees of the business. Because ultimately, if you do that, they'll thank you for it. Maybe not immediately, but they will eventually. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned uh, sort of a unique experience that you had in China. I'm wondering if you think that we'll ever get to that point anytime soon where I guess we're sort of handling our our finances in such a different way. I know Apple Pay and some different things in the States have kind of got it going and you can kind of do that. But there's so many, I don't know, there's like six different ways and it's pretty hard for retailers to keep up with which one might actually be the one. What do you see? How do you see that maybe happening in, inside of our it certainly impacts our organizations and our experiences as consumers, but also as employees. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I'm looking for something quite um, quite unique around this. Because I think on the consumer side, there's some beautiful experiences. But if you get a WeChat to start thinking about the internal workplace, then I think it's game over. Because I think if they get to the marketplace with something for the employees that is within WeChat, I think they've cornered the market, to be honest. Because that is such a sticky application, and everyone uses it anyway. So if there's something within the app, um, you know, Facebook are trying it with Workplace, and we'll see how they get on, and they've got off to a decent start. Uh, but if, but again, if if the Eastern economies um, really wake up to the possibilities on the inside of organisations, I think you're going to see some serious disruption there. In terms of, um, you will see some different names coming through as leading that that market. The utopia, I think, from the tech perspective, is, is a WeChat internal. Uh, but actually, it could be an app within WeChat for all your employee uh, experience. I don't think any app has leveled this out yet. They've always started from this, okay, we're a benefits company, we're a reward company, we're an engagement company, we're a recognition company. There's no one that has emerged yet that I see as the true utopia of employee experience where you log into one app and it's there's your holistic experience. I don't think we've quite cracked that yet. But if we do, I think it might come from the east as opposed to the west, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, certainly that pressure and that innovation. Yeah, Slack is certainly seems to have taken over the internal, you know, mm. communications. Uh, they keep buying companies, and I guess if they could get something in there where you could get your paycheck and pay for things through that app as well, it certainly could. Uh, they have enough users. That's been a really interesting concept, and but I think you're right. It could come from the east, and certainly even. Places like Africa and India, and you know, places that mm-hmm. I've noticed that they, they don't have that middle, not that middle technology to get in their way, right? They're just laying down, you know, either brand new fiber or they're laying down, you know, top 5G towers, right? They're not, they didn't go mm-hmm. 2G to 3G to 4G to, <laughs> you know, these iterations that we had that went from nothing to like something really good. Um, that we're certainly seeing them be more competitive in those areas. But, but I, I still think people are not taking this seriously enough. I mean, I, I walked down the street in Shanghai, and there's an homeless guy um, asking for change. I didn't have any change on me, but he presented a QQ code for um, yeah. virtual payment. I mean, that, it's sensational. Uh, but societal outcomes, uh, you know, it's absolutely transforma- uh, transformative over there um, as well. And we're seeing great examples from the employee experience in that, um, factory workers are getting quick access to education and financial management um, all through the mobile phone, which you know a high percentage of society has access to now. So people that were removed and you know not office based are all of a sudden getting a much better employee experience as a result of this this great advancement of technology. 
Well, speaking of technology, uh, outside of WeChat, is there an app or a gadget or something you've added to your life this year that you might share with us that we could uh, blatantly steal and go and use right away? <laughs> I think for me, it's, it's WeChat. I think um, I gave a, a WeChat webinar to 2,000 HR directors in China, and they started sending me red envelopes, which I, I asked my Chinese colleague what was going on, and they were tipping me in the app live based on the sentences I was constructing. And I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, so I think, yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. It's one of my major, major apps. And we've introduced Slack, for example, within uh, the Institute to connect our partnerships um, across 14 countries. So then that's been one of the, the implementations that we've been keen on this year uh, as well. Just to balance yeah. it out, one from the east, one from the west. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, it'd certainly be nice to be on the radio show or on a on a, uh, a webinar or something, have people tipping you. So I'll certainly need to check that out. But um, <laughs> I, I'm all, I'm all for that. Um, maybe what are you reading right now? What what books are interesting you, or are the ones that you typically suggest people check out? The, the, I'm I'm reading quite a lot at the moment. I'm. Uh interested in so many things uh, but the the biggest re read i'm doing at the moment is my book i'm rereading chapters trying to make sense of things and then submitting them to the editor so that book will be coming out next august in 2019 uh, through cogan page so watch out for that one uh, but literally that's taking up uh, a lot of my time right now <laughs> uh, I, I publish with cogan page as well so yes they will certainly uh, have you have you have you working Quite quite a bit. So <laughs> the, the rewrites and the rewrites and then oh by the way, how about you rewrite some more? Um, yeah, yeah they do they do a great job. They do a great job. So well, the the other one I'm I'm looking at now is um, what is it? Ten Little Pirates by Mike Brownlow. You know, this is a a book that I read to my kids. So you know, work life balance. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, you've mentioned a lot of great things on the show today. If someone only heard one thing, if they only paid attention for 30 seconds, what was the thing that you said you hope they might remember or take away that they can use in their, in their work and their, in their lives uh, right away? Experience is everything. Make every experience in work count and put humans at the center of your business. Thank me later. <laughs> All right. <laughs> How can people get a hold of you and learn more about you and the World Employee Experience Institute or WEEI? Uh, please feel free to join me on LinkedIn. You can connect with me. Uh, follow me there. I'm on Twitter as well. Uh, WeChat, yeah, you know I'm on there. Uh, and if you want to check us out, www.worldeeinstitute.com uh, for all your employee experience needs. And I look forward to hearing from, from colleagues very soon. Ben, thanks so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate all of your insight, humor, and uh, waking us up to some of the things that are happening on the other parts of the world. Thank you. It's been a great pleasure, and uh, really enjoyed the, the show and, and, and your work as well. Thanks. Thank you. Next week, we'll be having a best of shows. I'll be uh, traveling through uh, Italy. Yes, tough life, I know. But you can find <laughs> us on uh, <laughs> iTunes and iHeartRadio. Uh, and uh, the week, I think the week after, we'll be back. So until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.